Hello, and welcome to Punching Out. Every week, we're here on Wayo Radio talking about the problems people have with their work, whether it's incompetent bosses or unfair policies, hostile workplaces or dismal paychecks, or anything in between. We want to hear from you. If you'd like to share your work problems with us, email us at punchingoutwayo at gmail.com and let us talk about them. Tune in and punch out. Your boss isn't listening, but we are. Hi, y'all. Welcome to Punching Out. I'm Noah, and I am joined today by Brian. Hi. And Jake. Hey, how are you doing? And uh, the reason I'm talking to Brian and Jake is that they're both teachers. You may have listened to an episode we did a couple weeks back on teaching as labor, what the job is like, what the challenges are like. And you might have come out of that episode with the reasonable conclusion that, you know, Teachers should occasionally do things to improve their situation. And as it turns out, Brian and Jake have both actually done that fairly recently, which is, well, why I asked them to come on the show, and they both said yes. I figured that each of them should probably have a shot at introducing themselves a little bit more and uh, giving you a little context. So, Jake, if you'd like to start, you want to tell us how long you've been a teacher, to the extent you're comfortable sharing, what level you're at, what subject area, your location, that kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, like I said, I'm Jake. Um, I've been a teacher for 11 years. I'm an English teacher. Uh, I teach high school, uh, mostly 10th and 11th, and I teach uh, outside of Richmond, Virginia. Sounds good. Brian? Hi. Um, I'm a teacher in the Bronx, so I work for the Archdiocese of New York through the Catholic schools. Um, I'm a math teacher, ELA, uh, social studies for 6th, 7th, and 8th grade middle schoolers. Every teacher probably says this about every other teacher, but you guys have like way more interesting jobs than you do, than I do. Um, for those of you who don't know, <laughs> I, I teach right here in Rochester, New York. I'm, um, I teach a lot of different levels, and I teach foreign language. So now all of our cards are on the table. We know what everybody's like. So, like I said, um, both of these guys have done labor actions with presumably uh, organizations in their state. So if each of you, maybe in the same order, if you'd like to talk about what the action was, um, what the union local or what organization were you organizing through, and what your personal role was in that context. Yeah, well, um, I'll go ahead and get started. And what we did is um, last month, there was a big uh, teacher walkout. Now, Virginia, and you know, I'll get into this later. When I say walkout, it's, it, it's a little misleading because people took personal days to do this. So it wasn't like it was sort of an unauthorized activity. But we took personal days and we marched from, um, to the state capital of Virginia. That, which has, you know, been in the news lately. Um, <laughs> we, uh, yeah. <laughs> we had, yep. the, yeah, this March, uh, right before Virginia politics kind of imploded in front of everyone, we did this teacher action. So we did this March. That was a, you know, I'm, I'm not sure about the exact numbers, but I think it was, you know, over a thousand teachers there that were marching to the state capitol to kind of uh, mostly in use for better funding, um, better pay, um, because we are, Virginia is the eighth wealthiest state in the nation, but we're like in the bottom five for teacher salary. So that was really the main thrust of why we did that. You know, it was a big action compared to what we've done before. And it was sort of, with the VEA, the Virginia Education Association, but it actually started outside of VEA. It started with a Facebook group. As and all good most things of it was do. organized. Hmm? As all good things do. Yes, as all good things do happen through <laughs> Facebook. Uh, but this actually was <laughs> sometimes where Facebook is actually pretty good for organizing. And it was a Facebook group, Virginia Educators United, and it was how we got together. And VEA kind of later got with it, and it became a VEA 
endorsed thing, but it actually started with a group of teachers from Virginia putting it together on their own. So it was kind of interesting how that happened outside of the union, because VEA really doesn't tend to do programs like this for whatever reason. That, that I've got a few friends who teach the same subject I do out in Virginia. Uh, we all went through the same grad school together. That sounds about right from what I've heard, both kind of the conditions and then sort of the uh, labor landscape there. Yes, so, very much so. It, it is kind of cool that you were able to use, you know, this, this group outside of the VEA and, and use Facebook, uh, you know, to do things other than send your, like, heart rate and whatever to major corporations and that kind of thing. Yes. All right. Well, that is all excellent. Brian, do you want to tell us about your thing? Yes, sure. So uh, I'm a member of the uh, Federation of Catholic Teachers, the FCT, which is, um, even though we're in New York City, we are separate from the UFT, and we're also much, much smaller. Um, The FCT is part of the uh, OPEIU, the um, Office of Professional Employees International Union, so we include, like, office workers and hotel workers and other things like that just sort of rolled under one umbrella. Um, everybody working under their own contracts, obviously. Our entire union, even including the non-teachers, the other office employees, is only around uh, 15,000 members, whereas the UFT on its own, just with teachers, has over 75,000 people. So one of the struggles we have is trying to make sure that our voices can get heard as teachers the same way the public school employees can. Um, We had a contract dispute a few years ago that ended in uh, receiving a new contract in 2015, which was for three years and expired this past August. So now we're currently working without a contract again. And really all we're trying to do is not to necessarily demand like completely equal pay with the public schools, but at least try to close the gap a little bit. Usually the Catholic teachers are making anywhere from 20 to 40% less than their public school counterparts with similar uh, experience and education. I know if I were to um, switch over to the other, other union, I'd probably be in line for a pretty significant raise right off the bat, even without any extra experience. And then the problem we're having is not only are we being met with uh, resistance to any change, but we're having cuts on the table that are holding us from, or um, trying to uh, cuts to our um, pension, to uh, schools being closed, things like that. So never mind the fact that we're trying to push forward, we're kind of being shoved backwards. Gotcha. So now you referenced another, you referenced another acronym in your area, UFC, do I have that right? Oh, the UFT, the uh, United UFT. Federation of Teachers. That would okay. be the uh, New York City Public Schools Teachers Union. Gotcha. For a second, I thought you were talking about, you know, the ultimate fighting championship is like <laughs> representing teachers in the area. And I was like, man, like New York City education is worse than I thought. Um, oh, those are the specialized schools around here. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. So number one, um, especially with you, Brian, it's it's interesting. I also teach for a Catholic school. And, um, you know, I had no idea that this union existed and somehow it's never been brought up to me and nobody's ever talked about it anywhere near me. Does this, uh, does the FCT have any reach outside of, uh, outside of your area? Is it, is it a fairly big organization then? It doesn't really have a lot of geographic reach. I know the, um, like even within New York City, the Archdiocese of Brooklyn is an entirely separate archdiocese. So even just within the bounds of the other boroughs, we're not going. We have um, members from the Bronx, Manhattan, and Staten Island. And then I'm not even sure if Queens is included as well. They might be under Brooklyn. Um, and we do stretch a bit into uh, parts of lower Westchester. It doesn't really uh, extend uh, much outside of the city geographically. Gotcha. Now, both of you talked a little bit about this, um, but I wondered if you would be willing to expand a little more 
on sort of what the ultimately like how do you get to the point where you decide where does where do you get to the point that the Facebook group becomes we need to do this walkout where do you get to the point like how long has this been going on um, how bad did it have to get for this to happen either of you can can start that one well I'll, I'll go ahead and start talking about this because one of the things that sort of challenges in Virginia and because Virginia has been in the news so much, maybe there's been some explainers, but Virginia is like three or four different States put together and conditions in rural parts are different than parts where I'm at, which is sort of central Virginia near where this, where, where the big kind of, industrial um, urban areas are, and that can be different from the um, Hampton Roads area, different, vastly different from Northern Virginia, Fairfax, places like that. The salaries, because we are tied into, um, school funding is tied in with uh, municipality taxes. So right. it's all different. And I, one thing that I remember is I'm not from the Richmond area. I'm from uh, Southside Virginia, like more rural area. And there was a family friend who was, and she was a French teacher for 30 years. She was making her last couple of years the same thing I made my like first year of teaching. And that, and you know, the cost of living in the rural area is cheaper, but it's not that much cheaper. Right. So there's this real discrepancy. And, and this is what made, what made the, action possible and why a lot of this has been driven by the rural area places in southwestern Virginia in western Virginia and in the urban areas of Virginia like Norfolk like Richmond City is that those schools are so underfunded their staff so underpaid um, I think it was one of the rural counties in western Virginia had a hundred percent attendance to this um, walkout, to this march. Oh, wow. And, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Now, it's, um, or maybe it wasn't 100% attendance, but it was enough attendance that they had to just shut the school system down. Like, all the schools were closed. They had enough teachers left. Now, it's a very small district, but those people had to come two hours to do this. Meanwhile, where I'm from, you know, we had probably about a couple hundred teachers total out of a huge staff. So it really, it, the, the, the cause of this, I would say, is probably coming from those more underprivileged areas. We have um, the rural areas which have old fixtures, old buildings, low teacher pay, and we have the urban areas, which are better in terms of teacher pay, but the facilities are so bad. And like Richmond City is a great example of this. Instead of putting that money into making sure the holes don't have, the, the roofs don't have holes in them, they spend it on hiring experts. And mm -hmm. there's just a lot of frustration with teachers. And that gets people on Facebook communicating. And the reason the Facebook group doesn't exist is because the union, to be honest, is not really doing a lot about it. And, you know, I hate in VEA, it's technically a professional organization, not a union. Oh, boy. You know. Okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, and we're a right-to-work state. So when you go up to the union, and, you know, my thing is I think that, you know, I'm on this podcast, so I'm sure that – if you're listening to this, you're 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 getting or this radio show rather, you're listening to this, you're you're on board with this idea. I believe that if if there's a union where you work, you join. So I think that if you're a teacher in Virginia, join VEA. Having said that, when you ask that organization about an issue, most of what they'll say is organize, organize, organize. And that's true. But you have to give us, there needs to be something from the larger organization. And I think it says a lot that this one action, that this one kind of meager action that Virginia did had to be done on Facebook. 
and it wasn't officially through the union or professional organization. Yeah, uh, consistent terminology, please. Um, yeah, no, <laughs> sorry I, about that. <laughs> no worries. Yeah, we're right to work state, so I guess technically unions don't exist. Yeah. Yeah, that that's that's Neil Gorsuch's fondest dream. We've we've talked about that a couple times on the show already. I I particularly like what you mentioned about the kind of groundswell of of support for actions like this coming out of kind of rural and underprivileged areas. That's something we've seen kind of time and time again with you know uh, West Virginia teachers just uh, went on strike again to kill a privatization bill, which by the way they succeeded. Yeah, it worked. It worked, yep. and um, you you had teachers in Oklahoma and Arizona, and I'm not saying that those states are 100% rural because no state is, but these are states that are typically viewed as inhospitable to, to this kind of, of labor conflict, and um, it happened anyway because, as what you're saying, Jake, a lot of teachers basically decided, you know, dang the, the union, dang the torpedoes, we're going to do this whether you want to or not. And that that's really yeah. inspiring. And and my thing is is that you know it, people were at this point like and what we did is you know we we didn't even break any rules. People we took personal days. So you know we, it wasn't like there was any chance of getting fired. What did we have to lose? Exactly. When you do it, mm-hmm. and I and and this is the thing is that these strikes work. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, this thing that we did is not going to work, to be quite honest. One, because it got completely overshadowed by the, by the blackface scandal. Do you think Northam timed that to um, make sure that your strike or your walkout <laughs> didn't get as much press no, as it I should have? Yeah, I don't think that that had anything to do with it, because he's <laughs> always been, yeah, if it, you know, the teachers have, he's had, the union has had a good relationship with him. And if one were to be ungenerous, I'm not saying this is what I think, but if someone was to give an ungenerous reading about the union, they might would say that the union is more concerned with buddying up with neoliberal democratic politicians than they are actually helping workers. If you wanted to give a a not generous view of the union. So he's always had a fairly decent relationship. He he got through a five percent. One of the last things he did before the the yearbook was he got uh, he kind of helped push through a five percent raise over two years, which is really nothing. Right. That's basically nothing. Yeah. And and they said that it was going to be cost controlled, so healthcare cost wouldn't affect it. But it's just not enough, right? And it was, and it's just sort of frustrating because you know, back to what I was saying is that I don't think it's going to work because it just the attention was just taken from us, and two, it just didn't do like it didn't the schools didn't feel it enough. They had subs to cover it. They it was all personal day, so it didn't make much of an impact in the buildings or with the parents. Say that again. So, Sorry, that's the big that thing, point. though, is they really have to understand like what makes it. You know, how how is it going to inconvenience the administration, the schools themselves? Otherwise, it's sort of something they can uh, kind of wait out and brush aside when they're done. Yeah, and it can't be because for it to work, it has to, it has to inconvenience people. Right, right. That's, that's people, what we saw in Los Angeles. People have right? to feel it. Um, where in Los Angeles, I read an article. I want to say it was just in the local newspaper in the DNC, but about how <laughs> administrators had to put all these kids into the gym and then try to sort of like give them an anti-union history of labor, and most of the kids yeah. were basically <laughs> just not having it, which ruled like the fact that even the students oh, were awesome. you know showing up for this um i mean who's going to understand better than kids about being able to have strength in numbers and you know staying united against uh you know whatever injustices they might observe absolutely true yeah. and on that note brian 
let me ask you. So you mentioned a little bit about um, the root cause of your of your action being the discrepancy between your pay and public school teacher pay. This is something I'm right. slightly familiar with because our school tries to make sure that we're within like 10, 20% of what the districts uh, around here offer, except that they always take kind of like the very average districts. They, you know, they always tell us you're getting 90% of what everyone around here pays. Yeah, not uh, the most generous interpretation usually. Exactly. Um, was that was that really the... Um, were there any other causes for this particular action? Like, how did it get to the point where you guys decided, um, you know, we did the 2015 negotiations, we ended up with this contract. What's coming down the pike in 2018 is not going to be acceptable, uh, and we need to fight against it. Or was it was that even the conversation? I don't think it was exactly that. I think it was more just like this gradual buildup. So I, I um, I've been uh, teaching in this system and teaching in total for um, six years. Okay. Um, I've found that the, say, um, not a majority, but maybe about like half and half of the people are generally in support of whatever our union might be pushing for, while half are sort of ambiguous about it. I don't know if it has to do with the religious aspect and, say, the respect for working for the church, but a lot of people have a hard time separating the uh, labor action from just wanting to be a uh, supportive and respectful teacher. Um, so What's in that? the meantime, like as long as I've been there, the oh we've been falling further and further behind in public school teacher salary. They got a new contract a few years ago, where so did we. But if we have say a one to two percent raise for each year of the contract, when you factor in inflation and cost of living and all of that, you're really not coming away with anything. Like Jake mentioned before, if you get a 5% raise, by the time the next year comes, that 5%, you know, it's not worth as much as it would be in the uh, immediate term. Yeah, it, it effectively becomes a cost of living adjustment. Right, and it yeah, doesn't and I, really have any actual value. Mm -hmm. And just, you know, that, that sentiment that Brian was talking about, maybe you've experienced it some too, Noah, that's not just because y'all teach in a religious school. Like, there's a lot of teachers who view, who view themselves as they have this attitude that they are missionary. They have this attitude that they do this. It's a, it's a calling. And, and I understand right. that's a great mm -hmm. idea, but it's also a job. Absolutely. Yes. And, and I don't think teachers look at it as a job enough. Yeah, that's yeah. That's I think actually, that's where you lose some of the support for the union, huh? Yeah, you absolutely do. Like that was, like we were one time. Uh, we were when the union was a when our local union was a bit more not the, our local chapter, not the local of it. We were once a few years ago having a big meeting when we were more active, the the local union to kind of figure out what to do, and the, uh, the, a sick out was. Was uh, was put on the table, just sort of a pie in the sky idea, and people were just like, well, "What about the secretaries trying to call the stuff? What about yeah?" We we had similar tosses about, and then people start to worry about the uh, principal, the assistant principal, these like yeah, people absolutely. that are not even in the union. Yeah, those are yeah, your bosses. Like, like well, who cares? Right. Yeah, and, and it's like even if you even if you like them. Even if you don't, even if, you know, you, you, you don't wish that ill will, the problem is, is that for these things to have any effect at all, people have to feel. Yeah. And, and one time, one, for like a month, several years ago, and this is actually not a, it's not a bad action. Um, we did work to contract. You know, we waited in the parking lot. And when it was 8.10, we went in. When it was 2.25, we left. And we kept And it, in a school, that's that, huge. Yep. It is. And, but the problem is, is that we had like not even a quarter of the teachers participate. That, I think, um, we've all kind of 
we've we've kind of gone in on the sort of root causes and how do we get to this point. So I think what we'll do, gents, is we're gonna pick this back up in a bit with okay. um sort of we'll we'll get right into the thick of it, talk about the action as it happened to the extent that you guys want to do that. And we'll let you all know what the uh, pitfalls and difficulties were. So we'll be right back with more Punching Out. You're listening to Punching Out on WAYOLP Rochester. If you'd like to continue slacking off, you can find all of our past episodes on iTunes and SoundCloud. Remember, your boss isn't listening, but we are. Welcome back to Punching Out. I'm Noah, and I am still joined by Brian. Hello, everybody. And Jake. Hello. And in the last segment, we were talking about the reasons that Brian and Jake's uh, local educational organizations, fellow teachers, really, after what we talked about in the first segment, felt the need to actually do a labor, you know, actually uh, do something to advocate for their rights and and privileges as as teachers and workers. And what we'd like to do in this segment is we're just going to get right into the thick of it. So right before we uh, broke, Jake, you talked about how some teachers um, have this kind of missionary complex, even if they're not working for a religious school. And I, it reminded me of something that happened a while back. We were having pretty contentious salary negotiations and obviously we as teachers were pretty upset and I distinctly remember somebody getting up during a meeting of we don't even have like a professional organization or a union we have like a loose grouping and I distinctly remember this person getting up and saying I'm the most anti-union person I know but how can they do this to us and just being like I feel like the first part of your sentence answers the second part of your sentence especially when there's so many people in the room that, you know, share your feelings on this subject. So um, what I want to do is kind of talk about what was the political situation, right, in each of your organizations? Do you think that this is, do you think your colleagues were always kind of like raring to go about, uh, about their labor politics? Do you think that conditions were just so bad that it got to the point that your colleagues said this cannot continue? Or was it kind of a mix of both? Even right now for us, I mean, we have uh, still a lot of people with the negotiations that are not really willing to participate or to uh, take any interest in it. Yeah, it's actually kind of interesting is that it's kind of the politics of it. When you see, it's, it's very interesting because it's really just more about the teacher's personality. For example, one of the few teachers that actually joined us marching in his classroom has a, you know, Ben Shapiro, facts don't care about your feelings picture. Amazing. This is a guy that, I mean, see, marching, you know, and, and the IDW was marching right, right next to us. So, it's a lot of times people got to that point where it, it was like they were just realized, like, wait a minute, my material conditions are not good. Yeah, it becomes and very it personal. Kind of, yeah, it was totally personal. Nobody thought about it in terms of left and right labor or whatever. It's just like, I want to make more money. And that's the right way to think about it. Like, I want more money in my pocket to take care of my family a few teachers have really gotten that like one of my coworkers, you know, I don't think she would, you know, be considered liberal or left or whatever, but she was kind of the cheerleader of this in our build. And I kind of helped her. She kind of gave me marching orders to go out and put up flyers for the action and everything. So it's really kind of transcending. It's just a few teachers have just were like, we're fed up. We need more. We gotta have more money, really. Like that's what it is. It's dollars and cents, and and the money in the state of Virginia is there. It's just not going to schools. 
And so I that's think generally the that thing I, with most states, isn't it? It's, yeah. it's available, yeah. but where is it being, you know, spread out or who's it being allocated to? Yeah, it's all yeah, being given to like Amazon and uh, what, whatever hot new corporation is going to come in and you're going to subsidize them so that they provide some temporary jobs and then leave again, that kind of thing. Yeah, and we're the two Amazon. Right. Well, y'all were the Amazon state. Now we are. Right, that's a good point. I hadn't even realized uh, that. Oh, down the road, huh? Yeah, which he quietly signed that while, he, while the governor is in seclusion. Because of his his moonwalking or whatever, <laughs> he he quietly sort of signed the um, HQ two thing in Northern Virginia. So, but oh, I'll boy. tell you this: here's a good one. Speaking of Amazon, is like one of the former VEA, and once again, join your union. Not bad math of unions, pro union. At the big speech at the Capitol after the march, one of the former union leaders actually said something positive about getting Amazon. Yeah. And it was only a few people doing it. I was one of them. You know, it, it, it's just, it blows my mind, this stuff. How, how, you know, throwing away $700 million in tax revenue is, is considered just a normal, reasonable thing to do. Yeah, you but don't even have to they, look at your neighbors next door. You could just look in your own household and say, "How you know what could this be doing to help me right here?" Like you said before, my family, my home. Yeah, and, and that's what it is. And to me, that was the thing, and I think that's you know your story there, Noah. Is is that is the same thing? Is that this person? I'm anti-union. I I'm right to work. I believe in laissez-faire. Adam Smith. Blah blah blah, and. They finally realized, like, wait a minute. Like, I gotta, I should have more money. Y'all are in religious schools, correct? Both of you. Yes. Yep. So, are there a lot of? It, it amazes me how many conservative right wing teachers there are. It blows my mind. Yeah, for a, for a profession that's sort of like famed as a liberal stronghold. Yeah. Yeah, that that where you're, you know. And in my case, as a public school teacher, where, you know, the, the whole idea that, you know, the government should take taxes and provide services with, it, you know, it, it just blows my mind. But, but, but that was totally, that race, that march kind of transcended that because it, it kind of got to people's material conditions. That's some of the trouble that we're having is being able to like like work up that, you know, like people know I think that they could push and they could maybe get a little more, but there's that that fear, like you mentioned before, it's just whether or not they're willing to um, put aside the actual classroom from the job itself, like your title, like you're you're a worker, you're you're a laborer in in exactly, one way, yeah. and it's hard to break that that connection between people like you're not marching or you're not protesting or you're not striking to punish students. It has nothing to do with them. It's if nothing else, it's to their benefit to have teachers that are not leaving school and going to work a second job or are not in a rush to get out of there because they have something else they need to do because, you know, they're unable to meet, meet ends meet just on their regular teacher salary. So it's to their benefit if nothing else. Yeah, and you know, I will tell you this, a lot of the people, I know at least three or four of the people that marched for my building were people that had second jobs. Yeah, and it's the same in my school. It's a lot It's a lot of that, too. A lot of us are tutors. Uh, I work at another school on Saturdays. I work in the afternoons as a tutor. Yeah, yeah I teach um... in a homebound program after... Um, you know, that's why I had to do this. I could only do this Fridays because um, I was working my second job Tuesday and Thursday. What better illustration and, than, than that, yeah, I know. right? No, we, um, <laughs> yeah. I, I've said this before, but so we, we've had teachers who for a very long time um, did things like, you know, catering, landscaping, 
Um, and, and part of that is that my building has a lot of teachers who took the teaching as a second career. And so they already had that revenue stream before they mm-hmm. came into teaching. And then when they got the teaching degree, they just kind of kept it going. But there's definitely a lot for whom, you know, that's like, you know, like I went to school knowing that I was going to end up teaching and that that was basically it. So in a lot of ways, I kind of um, screwed myself out of a lot of other marketable skills and I don't have a lot of those. So basically I can <laughs> like only trying something do, else first. Huh? Yeah. I can only do academic type things, uh, in terms of my experience. And, um, and it's not that, you know, I can't, it, it's not that I couldn't tutor or something like that. Um, but yeah, even, even in a place where teacher pay is fairly high because of strong unions, even here we're having these issues. So it's, it's definitely, yeah. And you still have like, uh, you kind of not to put it in a bad way, but you say you pigeonhole yourself into a single career. It's not like there's, um, a lot of ways to branch out from teaching. Like you could teach, Mm -hmm. you could tutor. They're all essentially the same thing, just in different, you know, forums, but it's not like if you're, I don't know if you, if you work in, uh, in business or you work in finance or something, there's a lot of different routes you could take. You could open something else or try a new career. Yeah. It's not like, okay, well I know how to make a really good worksheet. Yeah. Like if you need a worksheet <laughs> about Edgar Allan Poe, oh my God, I'm your man. You know, yeah. done... If you, yeah. if you need to make, if you need to make an absolutely ironclad midterm, I'm there. I got you. Yeah. It's... If you need to figure out how to use Legos to teach the parts of speech, I got you. I'm there. Oh, actually. Or if there's a family that has 30 children that needs a babysitter, something like that. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, it, it, it's the thing that you, you, you do. It's, and part of it is that the profession, it's just, and this is kind of, this is a whole other thing, but it's just such a sort of a lack of respect. I yeah. for the profession. Um, and I would see that. Yeah, as I agree level. with you. I Absolutely. think that that's at the state level. I think that is at the higher ed level in the, um, in the uh, educational departments that teach the, the teacher colleges. I don't think they really like classroom teachers that much, to be honest with you. No, we're just money. We're, we're just revenue streams. Yeah. Them. That that's pretty yeah, obvious. Yeah, I think their attitude is like, damn, why don't those suckers do what I did and just uh, get your PhD and then come teach about teaching? Exactly. Um, <laughs> do your you do your five year sentence in the classroom and then you can do whatever you want. You know, if you're if you're willing to sell out a bunch of other teachers in the process. Yeah, exactly. If you can right. go, well, you know, if you can go get get your you know, nowadays, I don't know if it's like, I don't know, I mean, how it is in, in, your, in your world, but in the public school, you, you really need that post-grad, like, you need that doctorate. If you really want to get into, like, admin or you want to get Same. into central office. Increasing. Yeah, and, like. Yeah, generally reared soon. Yeah, and that's such a, that's such a thing. Like, these guys, like, the former superintendent. Of, and this is, you could probably figure out where I teach by saying this, but I'll go ahead, <laughs> I'll go ahead and say <laughs> the general area. But the former, the guy who was a superintendent who just like up and quit from where I was teaching, he was a band teacher for like four years, then like a dean for two years, then an AP for one year, then a principal for a year. And then he, you know, became superintendent of a small district, did that for two years. Then he became our superintendent, which is we're a fairly large district. And then he became, then he just quit all of a sudden like that and went, and now he's like state superintendent or something. And that's, oh, you know, really when someone in a position like, like that quits, they're jumping somewhere else. Huh? Yeah. Like you don't like, like, there's this thought that if you want to be a career classroom teacher, that there's something wrong with you. Oh yeah. It's certainly looked down upon by people that are trying to, you know, climb their way 
way out of the classroom, like not just out of the classroom, but out of a school altogether. Yeah, and I just think that, you know, and it's just my take on it is is that it's just it's not seen. Nobody sees it as a serious job. Nope, not at all. And 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 part of that comes from that missionary attitude. Yeah. And yeah. to me, like in education, I'd never want to be anywhere except in a classroom. Like to me, being a a principal would, is like like that would be the true nightmare job to me. I'd ra- I'd much rather be with the students every day, trying to learn, yeah. enjoying their time. Like there's so much more to get out of that. I think absolutely. Yeah, and like and I and I think that people that want to be career principals, like I don't I don't have any issue with that because you know. Oh, me neither. Right? Because that's a hard job. And people yes, that are principals, they, they earn it. Like they, they're, they're compensated. They get what they, they earn that, that money they get. They're not just up there with their feet up like a lot of right. other people. But, but now, and I don't know if this is everywhere, but now there's this idea that being a building principal is not enough. Wait, what? You have to go to central office. You have to get into the state program. You know, right, you want to work old, for the state, you want to work for a private oh, corporation, okay. um, yeah. you know, a, 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 a textbook company, a um, workshop company. Exactly. You want to do three or four years as a building principal and then split. And that's just, and like my old principal, he was, a, he was, you know, math teacher, retired several years ago, math teacher for a few years. He was a principal for about 30 years. And that just doesn't exist anymore. No. Oh, yeah. And that I, just doesn't. Well, it, it, part of the reason it doesn't exist anymore is the same reason you're getting younger principals. If you, give them, if you give them less time to garner experience and you hire them younger, they're also cheaper. Yeah, that's absolutely what it is. Right. So we, we kind of talked about We've talked about all of this rhetorical, right, arsenal that gets deployed against teachers who actually, like, have the audacity to advocate for themselves and to push for their rights. Um, You both kind of alluded to this, but just kind of briefly, I wanted to ask explicitly, who did you find – from whom did you find that you were getting the most pushback? So, for example, you know, in the UTLA strike, um, students largely supported teachers, but that wouldn't always be true. Like, I don't think it'd be true of my students if my coworkers and I decided to do that. Um, it, but that said, I still don't think they would be the major source of the pushback that we get. Where did you find that you had the worst, most rancid opposition coming from? For us, I think well, it's entirely through the the leadership and not not within the school but you know once you get past so even like i wouldn't even say necessarily like this the uh local superintendent but like the higher up like the superintendent of schools so like of our entire system um we, we were getting a lot of you know weird sorts of um pushback too so for example they've had letters sent home to parents and emails sent out to parents that say things like um you know, the teachers are making excessive demands. And uh, as an example, a few years ago, the archdiocese closed around 20 schools, and they just told us they were going to close another six, which, again, another reason for the uh, necessity of the organization. But after doing it, it's kind of like, like they're using it as ammunition against the teachers. Oh, we can't afford to keep these schools open because... Uh, the teachers are seeking whatever a three percent raise or something that's just like nominally above what they were offered. Yeah. Or the teachers don't want their pensions cut, so we're going to close another school this year. Like I, a pension is something that's already been promised to us that we're paying into as well. So it's yeah. it's it's very you know underhanded. So so they're pitting they're literally just pitting you against your students. Right. Exactly. And I don't. I, I'll I'll say. I mean, this is just you know me in one school and my own parents I deal with, but they, the ones that are aware of it, which is only, you know, say one out of every four or five people even seems to have any attention to it, which I understand it's not their union, but um, 
they do seem generally on the side of us. And since I'm in a middle school, and not just the middle school, we're in an elementary school, but I teach the middle schoolers, okay. they really have very little awareness of it. I think it would be very different if it was high school students. You know, my, my eighth graders might, you know, be aware that there's letters going home about the teachers, this and that, but they rarely ask about it. So the parents here and there, but I think they are generally supportive of us, at least uh, in my interaction with them, which is good to hear. Awesome. Jake? Yeah, well, you know, we didn't have anything like, you know, I think the superintendent said uh, there was a note that went to, out to all the principals from central office that basically said, you know, make sure that you've got subs to cover it because our action was, was a, you know, was a bunch of people took their personal day at the same time. So it really wasn't any, it was all above board. Mm-hmm. Teachers technically in my county, or principals rather, have the, they can deny personal leave, but they tend not to do that because it could become a whole thing if you don't have a good reason for denying it. Okay. Um, so they generally, you know, they're okay with it, but they, uh, so my principal sent some strongly worded emails talking about like, got to make sure, you know, if you don't get it, if you don't get your personal day in by this date, it won't be, you know, and we're going to have, you know, we got to have people cover the rooms because there's going to be too many teachers out. It was sort of very gentle okay. sort of scare tactics because it was a gentle action. Really? I think we had fairly decent community support for it. Um, like, you know, and part of it is in where I live, the schools are the biggest single employer. So, you know, there's a lot of sympathy for it. Right. Just because everybody is connected. So many people are connected to it in one way or another. Um, so the pushback was, was fairly gentle. We didn't get anything saying, oh, well, the teachers are – because it really wasn't much to get mad about. But there was this kind of – the administration was not happy about us doing it. Of course, because not. it was just going to make, yeah, and you know, I don't blame them for it in a way because it's just going to make their day more of a hassle. It ended up not because they had enough subs, but you know, and and some people were kind of leery about it and upset about it, and I said, you know, this isn't going to work unless the administrators get upset and the building gets funky. And parents get, you know, people mm-hmm. have to get inconvenienced by it. Yeah. Yeah. And anything else is just kind of like gauging interest. Like, you know, if, if they're not inconvenienced by it, that like there's, there's not necessarily anything that's going to be done with it, but at least like, like, um, oh, for example, so we had a, um, a brief March, uh, about, uh, two months ago, back in December. And, you know, having something like that is not, going to necessarily accomplish anything in and of itself because it's uh, fairly easy for them to ignore even though there's news cameras and this and that but at the very least it just gauges interest so you can say okay are we able to get teachers involved are we able to get people on our side so unless you are making a point directly to them by inconveniencing them it's not going to you know elevate your position that makes yeah yeah no, absolutely. That's totally true. That that's the thing we've learned from all of these strikes that if you can't get um superintendents and and building principals and parents and people who are in on some level tangentially related to the actual work of teaching, um if they're not inconvenienced in any way, then it's right. just not going to work. So, here's what we're going to do here. We're going to come back in a little bit. And we are going to talk about the lessons that you have taken from these actions and where they might lead in the future. So we'll be right back with more Punching Out. Hey, hey guys, you know that feeling you have at work, that dead inside feeling? Bad news, we can't really help with that. Good news, we can help you waste some time at work. You're listening to Punching Out on WAYO LPFM Rochester. Your boss isn't listening, but we are.
Welcome back to Punching Out. I'm Noah, and I am joined by Jake. Hello. And Brian. Hello there. And we've been talking for the past 40, 45 minutes about labor actions that these two guys who are teachers have undertaken in uh, Virginia and New York City to advocate for their rights, for their pay especially, and for various other considerations that, well, like with every other kind of worker, evil bosses love to deny us. So Jake had talked earlier about the actual effects, basically, of this walkout that Virginia teachers did. Brian, I don't think we got to hear from you on whether anything shook out from your uh, labor action in New York City. Would you like to fill us in on that? Yeah, sure. So, you know, the contract negotiations have been going on since uh, before the contract expired, obviously. So when we hit the fall and we started work without a contract, it's been um, kind of tough communicating back and forth between, you know, us as teachers, as members, and from the actual union leadership. Um, Jake mentioned earlier something that I actually had, I don't know if I had read about it or heard an interview or something like that, but um, uh, you mentioned, Jake, the Facebook page that you guys were using to communicate. I thought that was a really brilliant idea because it's a, you know, really convenient way for people to be able to kind of come and go and drop comments and connect, and it's fairly easy to find people on there. So I, you know, tried to put together a Catholic school teachers in New York City Facebook page it's in like early stages. I think we're nearing not a tremendous number, but say around a hundred teachers, but at least we're starting to like spread our reach. And the goal is if we could at least get a few people in each of the schools in there, then if we have something to say, at least the word can be passed around without having to wait for uh, the union to pass through. So when we had the, um, the March, there was, uh, I don't know what you call it, I guess an awards dinner for the archdiocese where Generally, they have, you know, leadership from the church. They have celebrities there. The Al Smith dinner, uh, if I'm not mistaken, both Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump were there a few years ago. So that's where our march was this past winter was right outside of there, which worked pretty nice because there were news cameras and a lot of people walking by and taking photos. And uh, we're right in a busy area of the city. The trouble was we say if our union has you know, 15,000 members and change, and maybe two or 3,000 of those members are teachers. We only ended up with about 100 teachers there, which, you know, all huddled together is at least, you know, makes somewhat of a point, but it also, I think, kind of puts the idea in the head of leadership that maybe there isn't exactly a united front, and I think it's something that they are trying to take advantage of as they go forward. Not that that's the only reason they think that, but I don't think it's been working out as successfully as we'd hoped. And like uh, another thing Jake was talking about before was you have to kind of create this inconvenience for them. Now, whether that's in the form of a walkout or a strike or a stick out or whatever it is, generally until you have something that's more concrete like that, it's not going to make quite the point you need it to until you get to that. Um, So we're talking as teachers and we have our, you know, our shop stewards that go back to the union with whatever ideas we have trying to figure out what sort of next steps to take. But uh, as it is right now, we're still kind of in limbo in the contract negotiations without really any substantive updates. Got it. So I'm somebody who's kind of an accidental salt. I didn't get into my job with the express purpose of organizing it, but I very quickly became aware that I was one of the few people who might even be interested in trying to do so. And certainly one of the few people who was not going to stand up and say, you know, I'm extremely anti-union, but how does this happen? So what I would like to ask you guys who have actually done something I haven't done yet If you have one lesson, something that somebody like me who's just kind of beginning this process uh, can take from your action, what would it be? What's your key – I hate this word, but I'll use it. What is your key takeaway from what you just did? I would say the key thing is you just got to – and I know this is such a trite – I mean, you you have to, like, talk to other people in the building. You have yeah, to. Absolutely. You have to promote it online. 
You have to promote it with flyers and posters and things like that, and you have to talk to people one-on-one. You've got to do all three of those things. And then, you know, if you do all three of those things, you're still just going to get a small amount of, of who you, you talk to. So it really just has to be a, a wide net. You know, and the one thing that I'm personally taking away from this is that you, you have to be prepared for it not to work. And you have to be ready for it to happen again. You have to be ready to do something again. Yeah, all these sites are only temporary, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's the thing that, you know, with us, the the momentum of, of the action being just completely derailed by all the Virginia politics scandals, it really kind of took, you know, nobody remembers it. And for action to work, it has to be remembered. And we just need to be ready to do something again. So, so one of your key takeaways is don't have a governor who was possibly in blackface or possibly in a Klan hood in his medical yeah, school don't, yearbook. Don't have a Klan hood governor. Don't have blackface governor. <laughs> don't have a blackface attorney general, too. That's all the bare minimum, uh, right? Don't have blackface yeah, like, journal editing, Senate majority leader. This is like the third yeah, week in a row the, we've dunked on, on all of these people. This is actually not... Yeah, yeah. We're and, running out of uh, government officials. Yeah. And here's a little... Here's a little little tidbit, little factoid. The guy who's the Speaker of the House, who's only Speaker of the House in Virginia because the name got drawn out of a hat, he was a former <laughs> high school teacher. Oh, yeah. He was, he was a public high school teacher while he was getting an F report card from the Virginia Education Association. Sounds like a great Great guy. solidarity with that guy. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Brian, what's your key takeaway? Uh, so what I've been kind of learning going through this is, aside from what Jake said, like persistence is the real big deal with this. You have to be willing to wait things out. You have to be willing to hear somebody say no and then keep fighting for stuff anyway. You have to be willing to hear your coworkers say they're disinterested or they're anti-union and figure out ways you can still get them on your side and you just really have to keep pushing on these things. We had um, at one of our uh, like district conferences, um, one of our, I guess, shows of solidarity was for all of the teachers to show up wearing black just to make a point that uh, we can all communicate with each other. We can, you know, get the word out about things. And the superintendent of schools made a joke about it for reasons I can't possibly understand. But, you you know, you have to be able to roll with those kinds of things and see how you can use them, see how you can use things like that to motivate people and just be really, really willing to be patient and persistent. You may have said that they were trite, but they both sound like important things to remember. I mean, I'm speaking here as a complete neophyte. You know, I'm sure there are teachers listening to this right now who have done more Uh, for their unions and for their fellow educators uh, than I have. But at least for me, it's it's nice to know that the watchwords that you guys are living by here, persistence, uh, the willingness to to have things blow up in your face, but to continue fighting anyway. I mean, that that's, it's nice to know that the trick is ultimately to just show up and continue showing up. Yeah, it's simple lessons. It's just hard to do for a lot of people, which I understand, you know, you have to you know, you go home and you're tired because you've had children all day and then you go home and you have your family and you have your kids and you have maybe your second job or your third job and you still have to find a way that, you know, even if it's just like you said, just showing up, just being willing to participate for a lot of people goes just such a long way. Not everybody has to be organizing a strike or doing personal negotiations with leadership. Just being willing to be a part of it is really it. Absolutely. So yeah, Absolutely. Um, so thank you both so very, very much for joining us today. I believe I may be wrong about this, but I'm pretty sure this is the first show on Wayo that has multiple callers on air simultaneously. So we are breaking new ground here. So I'm good to be a so part of. Glad to, to blaze this new uh, tomorrow, the history of uh, punching out. Thank I'm you. about to add it to my Twitter profile. Uh, excellent. Thank you all so very, very much. 
Um, if y'all would just like to sign off. Yeah, thanks for having us on. I appreciate the time, Noah. And thank you, Jake. Yeah, and thank you, Brian, uh, for, for for doing what you do. And uh, thank you, Noah, for, for having us on. No, thank you. One last time. I'm Noah. This was Punching Out. You've been listening to Punching Out. You can find us on Facebook and on Twitter at Punching Out Wayo. Email us your work stories, complaints, and struggles to punchingoutwayo at gmail.com. Punching Out is a project of the Punching Out Collective. Our producer is Ryan Brister. Music for Punching Out is provided by Ariel Cruz. Tune in next week for more Punching Out. And remember, your boss isn't listening, but we are.